Good morning, everybody. I hope you're awake and ready to go this morning. Some of you need some coffee. Anybody need coffee? (laughs) I'm hoping that you already got it. Uh, Hey, I'm excited that you're here today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Uh, And in my morning uh, quiet time this morning, I was reading out of 1 Timothy where Paul wrote about the church. And he wrote that the church is the pillar of, and foundation of truth. And he wanted the church to know how to live and conduct itself to be what God intended it to be. And as we have said over and over again, we live in a culture and a time when many churches are running away from the purpose that God has called the church to be. It seems like Christians are trying to fit into the world rather than be a beacon of light in the world. It seems like we want to conduct ourselves in the way the world will approve of us rather than in the way God will approve of us. And this is why last month we did a series called What If? To remind us that Jesus is the only way to heaven. No matter what the world says, there is a devil. There is a judgment coming. There is a heaven and a hell. And we can count on the word of God because he inspired the writers to put down in writing his thoughts, his commands, and the way he wants us to conduct ourselves. And if all of that is true, and we believe it is, then the way we conduct ourselves is of utmost importance, which brings us to today. Because today, we begin this new series called Devoted. As Christians, and collectively as the church, we, God has certain expectations of how we should live. What should we be be devoted to? What does devotion look like? I read a story that sort of illustrates the idea of devotion. Maybe some of you have heard this before. It's out of Edinburgh, Scotland. And it's a famous story about a dog and his owner that express devotion and loyalty in equal measure. The story began in 1850 when a guy named John Gray came to the city to become a gardener. So he was unable to find any work, so he joined the police force as a night watchman. And to keep him company through those long nights, he would take his small Sky Terrier named Bobby with him on his rounds. I think we have a picture of, there we go, that's them. Um, They became part of the living landscape of the city night after night for years. John later contracted and died of tuberculosis, and he died in 1558. He was buried in Greyfriars Kirkyard in the city. But it's what happened next that became legend in the city. Bobby the little Sky Terrier would not leave his master's grave. 
Except for accepting midnight meals from the kind people in the area, Bobby stayed there day and night with his master. The caretaker of the cemetery tried on many occasions to kick the dog out of the cemetery, but nothing worked. Finally, he caved in and he provided a little dog shelter by the grave for Bobby. When the city passed an ordinance that all unlicensed dogs should be destroyed, the Lord Provost of Edinburgh, William Chambers, purchased a license for Bobby and had a collar engraved for the little dog. Until his death, 14 years later, the citizens cared for Bobby while he guarded his master's body. If you walk to Greyfriars Kirkyard today, you can't miss the statue that stands across the street. It's a sculpture of Bobby with these words inscribed on the base. Greyfriars Bobby died 14th of January, 1872, age 16 years. Let his loyalty and devotion be a lesson to us all. I think, you know, even though that's a dog, I mean, my goodness, if a dog can show that kind of loyalty and that kind of devotion, can't we be that loyal and devoted to Jesus and to God's word? Now, what does it mean to be devoted to something? You know, there's a definition that says being devoted to something means being focused on that particular thing almost exclusively. When you're devoted to a cause, you work to achieve that cause. When you're devoted to a person, you place your needs, uh, uh, you place their needs above your own. Being devoted doesn't have to refer to personal relationships, though. It could be to a job. It could be to many different things. But as Christians, we are called to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And the early church set an example of what that really meant in terms of our everyday lives. And the problem is that often we're so devoted to other things that we're not as focused on Christ as we should be. We tend to place priorities on things that are not spiritual. Some may be devoted to making money, others to entertainment or sports, still others to a person or a job. We can be so devoted to these things that we neglect our relationship with Christ. And so throughout this series, we're going to be looking into the lives and routines of the early church as described in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Now, as you may know, the early church understood something about being a community of faith. I would argue that the secret to their success came down to this one thing, devotion. The word devotion or devoted is a powerful word. And again, it means to consistently and steadfastly show loyalty and commitment. The early church was unwavering in its devotion to their commitment first to the Lord and then to each other. They gathered together 
on a weekly basis and even on a daily basis. And there were four things that highlighted their gatherings. The early church was devoted to those four specific areas of their faith. The first was to the apostles' teaching. And godly teaching is nothing short of the fullness of Christ. When we are taught and when we teach the Word of God, it brings about a fullness in our relationship with Christ. So here's the big idea today. If we want to experience the fullness of Christ, we must be devoted to the apostles' teaching. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, help us to see where we are devoted in our lives to bring uh, others to you, to bring us back to you if we have drifted away. Uh, give us a hunger for biblical teaching that is after nothing short of the fullness of Christ. Use this message today as a catalyst of encouragement to spur us on to a study of your word and the inspired teachings of the apostles. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So why don't right now we go to our text in Acts chapter 4, beginning in, verses, uh, in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now in that passage, we learn that the earliest church was devoted uh, and committed to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, to teaching it and receiving that teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And those are the four specific elements that we're going to be looking at over the course of this series. Um, uh, last week I spoke to you about the importance of God's Word and its power to change our lives. And I truly believe that is true. When we come to God genuinely seeking Him and we're opening up the Word of God to learn and to grow, the Holy Spirit will use that to transform us. So every day, almost every day I would say, I, I've been uh, in the Word of God. I have a journal that I keep notes in and uh, what I've read and I write down my prayers. And this has become so important to me that when I miss it, I feel like I have really missed a valuable part of my day. God uses that time with me to encourage me, to challenge me, to make me aware of sin or where I'm weak and to help me repent. It has helped define who I am. You see, the things that we are devoted to will eventually define who we are. And the church that formed just after the death and resurrection of Jesus was absolutely devoted to their faith. 
In fact, their faith has defied them for centuries as we constantly look to their example for inspiration and instruction. So I want you to think about those four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the community of believers, the breaking of the bread or communion like we just experienced, and prayer. And each week, again, through this series, we're going to look at one specific area of that devotion out of the church. And today, of course, we're going to be looking into the teaching. So let's go right into the message. The, the goal of teaching, what would it be? What do you think? The specific goal of teaching is found throughout the New Testament. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we learn from the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So we understand that teaching was a key component of Jesus' ministry. Later in the book of Ephesians, Paul included teachers as gifts given by God for the equipping of the church. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, we read, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So uh, Jesus has enabled us to teach and to be taught, and this is so that we can grow together and experience the fullness of Christ. Now in the next verses, we, we discover the reason we need this. In verse 14, then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. That sounds a lot like the culture that we live in. And it sounds a lot like churches that will disregard the word of God and just teach whatever sounds good to people. Listen, in verse 15, instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, each of us has a role in this. Each of us can be encouraging. Each of us can teach. Each of us can help. Each of us can support uh, the body. Teachers have led us to unity and maturity and fullness of faith. They help the, to strengthen the body by teaching and training the members in what it means to be righteous. Our goal through teaching and training is nothing short of experiencing the fullness of of Christ. In other words, so that we don't stumble or fall short. We don't want our faith crushed by the pressures of this culture and society. Now, if I was to ask you how many of you enjoy learning, raise your hand if you really enjoy learning. Raise your hand. I see some highly educated and 
uh, learned people, uh, maybe some people that aren't telling the absolute truth. Um, <laughs> I guess the truth is that it depends on what we're learning, right? Are y'all like me? If I see something that I enjoy, that I really desire, then learning about it is not so much of a chore. How many of you ever had to learn something that you didn't really enjoy having to learn? Raise your hand. Oh, see, yeah. Uh, if, if it's something that I don't think I'll ever have use of or will be of any benefit to me or it feels like I'm just pulling teeth every time I'm trying to learn, I probably am not going to enjoy learning about it. And that's the way it is for me. I, 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 how many of you loved history? Anybody in here love history? See, that was my favorite course. I loved history in school. Uh, that was not only my favorite course, but my favorite teachers were the history teachers. Uh, on the other hand, uh, math and English. Don't ask me to do math, okay? Uh, not a good idea. Uh, these were not subjects I particularly enjoyed. Now, look, I passed all those courses, but I can't say that I excelled in them. I bet there's a lot of math people in there. Raise your hand if you really enjoy math. See, you smart people. Y'all are so smart. I'm going to come over and get you to do my math for me. Uh, I think the same would be true of our spiritual learning as well. If you don't see the value in it, it will not have any meaning to you. You're not going to desire it. It's not going to be something you excel in. But if you do see the value in it, then you will desire to have a better grasp of it. The thing about really good teacher, though, is that they can help us gain an appreciation even of subjects that we don't really enjoy. Have you ever found, how many teachers do we have? Raise your hand if you're a teacher in here. Yeah, man, we ought to, let, let's give our teachers a hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, one thing about a good teacher is they can take a student who hates a course and they can make it interesting to them. The, you said, I've never noticed that. Is that, is that what you're saying? Ah, that's a bunch of... Uh, I, the reward of good teaching, though, is learning. And learning the scriptures together with other believers was something that the early church was absolutely devoted to. They saw the value in it for them and for their loved ones. Even when you desire to know more about a subject, learning does still take time, though. And it, it's not necessarily easy. It can still be difficult. Learning requires our effort, our engagement, our attention. Right now, I'm having struggles with my voice. I prayed this morning, Lord, help me get through this thing. I've got a sore throat. I don't know what's going on. Don't get too close to me. Don't get face to face like this. I don't want to give you nothing, okay? But I know that it's going to take more effort on your part to hear what God wants you to hear through this message because the vessel is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. But the reward is going to be deeper understanding and knowledge and relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not sure I know any uh, uh, fully devoted followers of Christ who would say they don't really want a deeper understanding of Scripture or of their faith and ultimately of God. 
And again, what we're after is nothing short of the fullness of Christ. Now, we have a men's study on Wednesday nights, and in fact, we're getting ready to kick that back off this week. Hey, guys, if you're not already in a, a, a study with men, um, I invite you to come out. Now, this week, we're going to have a cookout. I'm going to try to explain what we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be studying the book of Galatians through the fall. Uh, are there any guys that come to that men's study? Stand up if you come. Stand up. I want to see who, who's here. Because the other guys, I'm going to get them uh, Wednesday. When, no, I'm just joking. Okay. So look, there, there's, some, there's some nice looking guys. There's also some old guys, you know. And, 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 and there's some young guys, you know. Uh, it's a wide But, you know, the young guys can learn something from the old guys. And I think the old guys can learn something from the young guys. So, look, I, I invite you to come on out. And, and, and if you got somebody that you know that you want to bring with you, bring them. Uh, hey, we're going to cook out Wednesday, so that's food. You know, how, much, how bad can it get? Uh, our other fall classes are going to start September 10th after Labor Day, and they're going to go through uh, uh, up to Thanksgiving. So keep an eye out for these things. If you want to grow in your relationship with God and with the body of Christ, make this a matter of your devotion. As a point of reference, Jesus said very plainly in the Great Commission, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and what? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is the apostles' teaching. And so we teach all of what Christ taught, the fullness of his training, the apostles' teaching found in the word of God, and our goal at the end of the day is to make disciples equipped and ready to teach others the fullness of the gospel as well. So our second thought today is that we need to pass along the teaching that we have received. I think Paul says it best in the second letter to uh, Timothy. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Reliable in the fact that they will do what God is calling them to do. If, if we don't pass along our faith through reliable and sound teaching, then it will only be a few generations before faith expires. And that's a sober thought, but it's reality. If you aren't willing to teach, to train, to share the fullness of our faith, and I believe it begins in the home, but it, there, there's also other people that we need to reach. The good news is you don't have to be an ordained pastor. You don't have to be a missionary, although I think probably all of us should be, in the sense, missionaries carrying the gospel with us wherever we go. You don't have to be a deacon or an elder. You just have to be willing. Think for a moment about the people that you're around every single day. Who has God brought into your sphere of influence? Where do you work? Where, where do you hang out? Where do you buy your coffee? Who, who can you share Christ with this week? A family member, maybe your child or grandchild, sister or brother, a co-worker, a fellow classmate or teammate. Uh, some of you know the name Bob Russell. 
Now, Bob is sort of one of my favorite preachers, uh, but his son shared a story from his home out in Port Charlotte, Florida. Uh, recently, a beloved coach uh, for the Port Charlotte uh, football team, the high school team, passed away unexpectedly and suddenly. And it was a shock and a heartbreak to the entire community, but especially to that team. Now, the coach had been baptized five years earlier in the Gulf of Mexico and had done his best to share his faith with the young men and coaches of the team. Bob's son, Rusty Russell, has served as the team's chaplain over those years, and he is the one that baptized the coach. Now, the impact this coach had on his team and community was powerful. He was only 27 years old and recently married, but he was like a father to many of these young men. And after his death, many of them began to seek some spiritual answers about life and death. Many of them had grown up in single-parent homes and rarely attended church. But the message of hope in Christ that came out as they grieved and mourned their coach caused these young men to see Jesus in a different way. A few days after the funeral, 13 players and one coach were baptized at the same spot where their fallen coach had been baptized five years before. The coach that was baptized was his own brother. And there are others who are talking to Rusty Russell about making that decision as well. And as of today, a total of 24 people have been baptized into Christ because of this coach's testimony. Such a tragedy has opened the doors of God's spirit to move and has ended in these amazing spiritual victories for many. That coach did more than coach football. He did more than coach a position or plays. He coached about life. And I wanted to show you a video that was shared of when these young men gave their lives to Christ. Why don't you watch it with me? Man, isn't that powerful? To see all those young people giving their lives to Christ. Friends, we all have someone who needs to know Jesus. Try not to stress too much over having all the answers to all the questions, but step out in faith and trust that the scripture of God is useful in any and every situation you may encounter. Or said another way, the fullness of Christ is well equipped for the fullness of life. God will enable us. Every word of the Bible is God-breathed and God-ordained. It all matters. And as we study it and make it a priority in our lives, then we can become fully capable. And I think that's maybe what people are afraid of. Is You know, I, I might want to go share, but maybe I think I don't know enough. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? Friends, if, if you aren't sure where to start with your learning, or you aren't sure if you can actually teach others the profound truths of the Bible, then let me say again, the fullness of Christ is well equipped for the fullness of life. The word of God will not return empty. It will not return empty. Isaiah spoke this in Isaiah 55. Beginning in verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, 
so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's God speaking about his word. As we mentioned last week, the word of God is powerful and it can change our lives. It has power because it comes from a powerful source. As Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, it's good to remember that all scripture is useful. And with that in mind, I would say that you just need to start somewhere. If you want to learn more, then get into the Bible study or Sunday school class. Buy a daily devotion and learn at your own pace. If you want to become better at sharing your faith and teaching others, then start with the gospel. Maybe the gospel of Mark or the gospel of John. Learn the good news of Christ for yourself so that you can teach and train others. And above all, just be patient. Be be kind. Have grace and mercy for yourself and others through that whole process. Years ago, a preacher took me through some material that that really transformed my personal study of Scripture. He taught me some basic things to look for when I read Scripture. And I want to share those with you. They're in your outline. And if, if you're not exactly sure where to start, how do I start doing a Bible study? Well, I, I want to give you this really simple uh, guideline for having some quiet time with God. So first of all, you know, pick out your scripture, and I would begin a systematic study. Just start again in the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John, and verse by verse, you just read right through it, because God's going to teach you something through it. But as you read, ask yourself, what does it teach me about God? What does this say about Jesus? What is it teaching me about the Holy Spirit? And also, as you continue to read, ask yourself, what commands is God? is this scripture giving me? Um, What promises does it offer me? Are there conditions to those promises? What sin does it tell me I need to avoid? Is there something mentioned that I never knew before or something that I feel like I need to dig a little deeper into? You know, that's a simple little five-point guideline for you. You know, get you a notebook. Write these things down. Begin the systematic work through Scripture, asking these questions as you read and study. And our, and our knowledge will grow and our connection with Jesus will become deeper and deeper. The more knowledge we gain when we go through it with the right heart, the closer we get to Jesus and the more capable we will become of sharing our faith with others. The reason most people are afraid to share their faith is because they think they don't know enough. But notice the reason Paul mentioned that all scripture is God-breathed. There in in 2 Timothy 3.16, in 2 Timothy 3.17, he tells us, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is there to help equip us to do everything God wants us to do. 
We become capable of doing the work God has set aside for us to do through our study of God's word, the apostles' teaching. Now, we've all had great teachers at some point in our lives. And as believers, it's important to remember that we have the greatest example anyone could ever ask for in Jesus. Jesus was a great teacher. He is fully capable, fully loving, and he alone is able to fully redeem even the worst of sinners. And when you're feeling discouraged or incapable or ill-equipped, just stop for a moment and remember you are able because of Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul says all things are possible through him, that is Christ, who gives me strength. May we be fully devoted to the one who is fully capable in each and every situation. And when we're feeling weak, let's remember his grace is sufficient for every situation and circumstance in life. And friends, the earliest church was absolutely devoted to their faith. As we wrap up today, as we continue our series together, I think it's worth asking that question again. What are you devoted to? What things capture your attention and your affection? Where are you putting your energy every day? And if you ask these questions and you find yourself thinking about all kinds of things other than faith, then it may be a good time to reset your priorities. No shame, no condemnation, just a willingness to acknowledge your focus has drifted away from faith and you're just needing to reset it back on faith. And if that's true for you and you need to turn from those other things, please remember God is ready and willing to receive you back. One of the most powerful teachings in the New Testament is about a prodigal son who strayed from home and left his family but eventually returned. And he was thinking his father would reject him. But when his father saw him down the road coming up towards the house, his father literally ran to him, threw his arms around him, hugged him, and threw a party to receive him back. And that picture reminds us that our Heavenly Father is eagerly waiting for us to return as well. So step out in faith this week. Refocus your attention and affection back on Christ. And find some good biblical teaching to listen to along the way. There are a lot of great podcasts out there. But read yourself. Open up the Bible. Begin your spiritual quiet time journey. It will strengthen and encourage you. And after all, what we're after is nothing short of the fullness of of Christ. Father, we are so grateful for the apostles' teaching found in your word, and I pray that we will be devoted to it like the early Christians were. Your word has power to change our lives, to challenge us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, to comfort us and strengthen us. And I pray that each person here today or listening online would rededicate themselves to your word conducting our lives in a manner worthy of Jesus. Help us to teach the things we've been taught 
and to know that we are capable because you make us capable. And for those who are struggling, Father, there might be somebody here today who is hurting, who is mourning, who is anxious, that feels disconnected for whatever reason. We ask, Father, that your grace would be poured out upon them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.